Welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. And here's the queen herself, registered dietitian Heather Klug. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. Hello. Before going into, hello, Bethany. Hi. <laughs> Before going into today's discussion, I just wanted to let everyone know that starting on June 15th, we are going to be switching to a different podcast hosting site. We've been with Anchor and we're going to move over to Buzzsprout. And um, this doesn't affect um, all of our listeners. It just affects the people who are listening to the Queen of Hearts podcast through Anchor. So if you're listening on Anchor, please look for the Queen of Hearts podcast on other places where you listen to podcasts. We're pretty much everywhere. Apple Podcasts, you know, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, all sorts of places. Now, in previous episodes, we've discussed the link between mental health and heart health, as well as managing anxiety during a pandemic. In today's episode, Bethany and I are continuing the discussion on mental health with a special guest. So with us today is Monica Rodriguez, a licensed professional counselor and owner of On Purpose Psyche in Economowoc, Wisconsin. Welcome, Monica. Hi, Monica. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're so glad you're with us. Monica is here to discuss counseling for mental health, including the reasons people seek therapy and what to really expect if you've never tried therapy before. So Bethany, let's get the ball rolling with Monica. Oh, goody. I love when I get to start. Okay. (laughs) So Monica, just to kind of get our bearings here, what are the most common mental health issues that you see at your practice? Hi, thank you. You know, we see a wide variety of different mental health symptoms and illnesses at the practice, anywhere from anxiety, depression, trauma and PTSD, um, marital issues, women's and men's issues, eating disorders, as well as a wide variety of things for adolescents and children, such as play therapy. We have a full-blown sensory room to help kids with learning disorders, OCD treatment, um, autism, sensory integration. So we have in total 23 therapists who all really specialize in different types of therapy and treating different symptoms. So in really we can we can treat a wide variety of things. Okay. Well, has any of this changed since the coronavirus pandemic started? Like have you seen an influx of um like for example, people with depression or anxiety or things like that? Absolutely. I think um, you know, this this question is kind of twofold. We are seeing on an individual level that the pandemic is causing mental health symptoms for people just to be exacerbated, right? So sure. you know, I work with a lot of moms, for example, and if they are coming into therapy for general anxiety and stress about how to work, how to be a mom, how to be married, et cetera, you know, now their kids are at home and they're having to homeschool. And they're yeah. having to worry about, is my family going to get sick, et cetera. So we are seeing a spike in symptoms. Okay. But in addition to that, I am seeing five different kind of manifestations of kind of pain and suffering that's different and that is a result of the COVID-19. Okay. So, you know, the number one thing, and I think most people know this, is powerlessness. Yeah. It is so difficult for all of us to feel like we don't have power. We don't have a sense of control, right? And and right now, we've really lost that sense of you know, power in our own homes, power in our work, power for kids. We don't even know what's going to be happening in the next month or two, right? Right. Yeah. And, 
you know, for example, I have an older um, lady that I work with. She's in her seventies. Her spouse died, unfortunately, you know, as a result of this. And she can't even go through the process of grieving that loss right now because there's no funerals. There's no ritual for grief. Sure. Right. There's, I mean, there's literally a loss of power of how do I grieve my husband? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the other thing along with the effect of being out of control is that we're seeing a large spike in the cases of domestic violence and abuse, right? So kids who kind of get to escape the home, women who are in unsafe situations and are now not able to leave the home. So that also has been exacerbated. Uh, yeah. The second thing is grief, right? So the feeling of grief and its rituals related to it is a very healthy and expected part of human nature. But this pandemic is definitely um, evolving grief on a multitude of levels. So we are losing jobs. We are losing lives. We're, we're losing our savings and security, right? And and this is helping, and this is kind of affecting each individual in their own way. Mm-hmm. The third thing that I'm seeing is a greater sense of loneliness. So during this pandemic, you know, that is wrought with fear, anxiety, depression, out of control, we don't know what we're doing. You know, humans need connection. It's a part of our biology. And with connection and with being with our community, we find a sense of reassurance. But right now, because with different stay-at-home orders or trying to come into less contact with people, we're also seeing that loneliness is being exacerbated. Yeah. Right. And that if you already have some mental health issues with, you know, being separated or feelings of abandonment, this can make it tenfold. Oh, I could totally see that. (laughs) The other thing is mistrust, right? So if we go back to, you know, developmental psychology 101, Eric Erickson talked a lot about how, you know, the first what year, year and a half of life is where babies form this idea of trust versus mistrust. Mm-hmm. If they cry, if they have a wet diaper, they start to form trust with their caregiver that they're going to get taken care of, right? Yeah. That's part of human nature. So nowadays, if if people, especially in their younger years, didn't have a healthy sense of attachment or develop that trust versus mistrust. Right now, we're also going through a time period where people are really starting to feel nervous and scared of, can I trust the advice that's coming out from this news media? Can I trust social media? Can I trust what medical professionals are saying, right? Sure. Because there's so much information everywhere, you know, you're starting to see people actually kind of go against one another instead of coming together. And that's really making things difficult as well. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say that the pandemic has caused, especially in the mental health field, is this idea of displacement. And and I'm talking about psychological displacement, not physical. So many people who kind of have lost their their normal place, right? School teachers don't have a classroom to teach in. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, maybe chefs don't have an audience to kind of cook for and communicate with, right? And that does take a toll on our idea of who we are as humans, my, my psychological image of myself. Right. And so I would say those are kind of five themes that I am seeing that the pandemic is taking a toll on mental health on top of everything that we already go through anyways. And these yeah. are things that probably, if you're not used to feeling these things, you might not know exactly what they are. And you might just know that you feel crummy and out of sorts in a lot of different ways. 
Yeah. And I think that, you know, I, I do know that there are pockets of people who are talking about these symptoms and these things, but on a day-to-day basis, even as a therapist, and I'm saying this, I will have days where I'm going, man, why am I feeling like this? Is, is something yeah. wrong with you? And there's nothing wrong with me. I mean, these are uncharted territory. Like we don't, we are trying to kind of figure out the long-term effects of, of what the pandemic is going to have on everybody's mental health, children, you know, all the way up into adulthood. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow, that's a lot to take in. And I totally agree with everything you're saying there. So what do you recommend for women who haven't really dealt with mental health concerns before, but are feeling like they're having issues that have become overwhelming, like you were just talking about? Yeah. So there's a couple of things. And and I, I will say that, that this idea of trying to normalize pain and suffering is really important, right? We all go through it in different ways, um, in different modalities. And mm-hmm. and part of, you know, with that is kind of trying to find your own internal light bulb of, you know what, maybe I do need to go talk to somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say for people who haven't explored therapy before, if you're finding that you're using, you know, coping skills that are just, you know, they're not really suitable for the time. So for those of you who have ever read Brene Brown, she's a author that I love and I follow consistently. What she calls these um, coping skills is shame shields. So if I've had a tough day and I'm feeling really anxious, but I'm not really conscious that I'm going through that and I go for my glass of red wine for dinner, but then I notice that I'm going for a second glass. What should kind of call that is that's a shame shield, or that's kind of a trigger to say, hmm, why am I going for two glasses instead of just maybe one with dinner? So if you're starting to notice things like that, eating patterns, communication patterns, you know, I kind of joke about maybe binge watching like Netflix or a TV show just a little bit too much. Um, you find that your temper maybe is shorter with your spouse or your kids, hmm. um, you know, <laughs> all very normal. I can relate to that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> And and the, another important part here, I think, especially for women, is we kind of have this internal idea that we have to be the ones and we feel like we should be the ones to just do it all, know it all. We are like, we're Wonder Woman. We got this. That's and, true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And when we don't succeed in these these ideas of what we should be doing for ourselves, we feel like failures. Yeah. Yeah. And that is something that I think, you know, women especially move through psychologically that's very different. So I always say to my ladies, you know, are you shooting on yourself too much? I should do this. I should do that. If I hear that a lot in a therapy session, I'll say time out, right? Mm, yeah. That's, that's a lot. Very good points. I'm glad you brought that up about women because I've encountered that too, just in, you know, programs that I've offered. <laughs> women feel like they have to do everything or they should do everything, right? And right. some of that we got to And it always has to be, go. it has to be perfect too, yes. you know, because that's what I notice with myself. It not only should I be doing this, but I can't let anybody else do it because they're not going to do it the way it needs to be done. Yes. So I might as well do it myself. <laughs> Right. And especially for women who are working with like adolescents, right? No, they're probably not going to do everything perfect. But when you let them do it and fail, you've taught them a beautiful lesson, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's yeah. going to take way more time to help you to help them learn it to go through it again. But now you've taught them when they're adult that they know how to do those things. Exactly. So how does someone know? Like, is there a specific point where therapy becomes the best way a person 
can be helped. Again, if somebody hasn't gone in for therapy before, I know you mentioned a couple of things before when you start noticing these things with yourself, but when does somebody say, you know what, maybe I should call and talk to somebody? So women are, I, I'm just going to say some of the best storytellers you've ever met, right? When women get together, what do we do? We tell stories. When you go out with your girlfriends, you talk, right? Men, I'm not saying they don't tell stories, but they're more likely to talk about like, how's work going? How are the Packers playing, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. So if you find that you're telling a story to a spouse, a friend, a family member, and the storyline isn't changing and it's making you feel miserable, it's time to go talk to somebody, right? Okay. Because that storyline is guiding your life. Yeah. I, you know, I, my house will never be clean enough. If that's a story that you're telling yourself and it's making you depressed, anxious, short with your spouse, te- you know, have a temper with your kids, then that's going to play out every single day, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, all therapy really is, is a, is a fancy way of telling your story. The therapist goes, that's a great story, or you seem really upset about that. Let's rework it. Or therapists can even make sense out of that, right? And it yeah. maybe explain why you're feeling what you're feeling or why you're doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, therapists are really there also to try to figure out how did that story get there in the first place? Is it working for you or is it not working for you? And most importantly, is that truly your story, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot of cliche about therapists want to talk about your childhood. And sadly, yes, we do, right? <laughs> <laughs> As kids, we watch our parents and there's always a statement of, you know, do as I say, not as I do, but we know that kids do what you do, right? So if your mom, while you were growing up said to you, I don't care if you don't make all A's as long as you try your hardest, but then you watched your mom come home from a review at work where she didn't get a stellar review and go, oh my gosh, I'm such an idiot. That kid just learned that not being the best is not okay. Yeah. Because she just watched you beat yourself up, right? Yeah, that makes sense. So Monica, why do you think people are still hesitant to participate in therapy? I've been very open um, and shared that I've been in therapy off and on since I was 15 for a variety of reasons. And I know that there's there's still somewhat of a stigma attached, um, but then, you know, we see, especially right now, when the mental health conversation is kind of um, one of the things that's at the forefront as we move through this pandemic, we keep hearing that therapy might be good for you. And it's one of those things that I think people know, but they're still hesitant to come in. So why do you think that is? I think um, it's kind of multifaceted. One, I do still think that there is a stigma out there about mental health Mm -hmm. And what is a therapist? So, you know, we still hear that, you know, people only go to counseling if they have severe mental health issues. And that's not necessarily true. You know, this is where it's very important that you kind of figure out what is the best mode of therapy. We have places like inpatients, partial hospitalizations like Rogers, etc. You know, Aurora also provides those. And that is for more intense mental health needs, right? What we do is a private practice. And so while we do have to make sure that we're kind of following our ethics and guidelines, you know, because you come in once a week, maybe once a month, therapy doesn't have to be, you know, I'm at a, I'm at a mental break. I've had, you know, I've hit rock bottom. It can be, I'm stressed and anxious about parenting, about my marriage, about work, et cetera. Right. Yeah. 
And mm-hmm. you know, I've had teenagers that I've seen for years where, you know, it doesn't look like they have mental health issues, but they want a safe place to come and talk about social politics, what's happening on social media, because it's all very confusing for them and does have an impact on their mental health, right? Definitely. And then of course, the second piece is, you know, there's a lot of stigma about what is a typical therapist. Um, you know, TV and movies shows a very different depiction, I think, of what is actually out there. You know, there's a wide variety of us. And I always say to my clients, therapists are very much like shoes. You have to go and try a couple pairs on, right? Totally. Yeah, and I love that analogy. Yeah, <laughs> if one doesn't fit or you sit with a therapist and be like, oh, I just don't know if this feels good, then try on another pair. Yeah. Right? Definitely. Because I've heard of people just, they go, they don't like the therapist or they don't click and they quit. Right. Yeah. Right. And then they kind of have a, you know, a bad taste in their mouth about therapy and then don't go back. Right. Right. But we're all different. We're all unique. We all kind of have different trainings, interests, et cetera. And, you know, therapists, you know, at least the ones that I work with, we don't take it personal, right? If someone comes in and says, you know what, this isn't working. Can I see your coworker? Absolutely. This is a business decision if you think about it, right? You're investing time and money into your mental health and you need to make a good investment. And if I'm not it, that's absolutely okay. Speaking of investment, I think, do you think like money is also one of those things? Because I know, I mean, I think people think of it as expensive. Do you see that as a barrier too? Absolutely. You know, unfortunately, a lot of therapists, you know, in working with insurance companies, God bless them, can be difficult at times, right? (laughs) And so you have a handful of therapists that don't take insurance. They just charge cash, right? Mm-hmm. You also have, you know, some people have really, really high deductibles. You could have two kids in therapy and yourself, and maybe you have a $6,000 deductible. Yeah, That's a lot of money to be paying for therapy. And this is where I do see a lot of people go, well, yes, I'm anxious, or yes, my kids are a little anxious about the divorce, et cetera. But you know what? It's not that bad. I can't afford it. Right. Yeah. So when I started on purpose psyche in 2018, I brought on my first intern and I work with a couple of schools in the area, but I do work a lot with Northwestern down in Chicago. So currently I have nine interns who for free. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, and I, and, I, and I do understand this, hesitate about seeing an intern because there's always the idea they could graduate, they may not stay, et cetera. You know, that is definitely a fear. But, you know, we also have to outweigh the pros and the cons of is some short-term therapy maybe going to be beneficial for you, right? Definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. And I just have one other little quick question in this same vein. Can you just briefly tell people the difference between a psychiatrist and a therapist? Because I think so many people, they're tied together in our minds of what they do, but they're really kind of different. Yeah. So I, I do think, um, you know, so the primary difference is, is, is a psychiatrist primarily prescribes medication. Mm-hmm. A psychologist primarily does psychological testing. Now, that does not mean that both psychiatrists and psychologists don't also do some form of their own talk therapy. Mm-hmm. A, a a counselor or just a therapist, all we do is talk therapy. So we aren't licensed to give medications or to do like advanced psychological testing. Okay. So if, it, if that was something like if somebody was seeing you and you determined that, hey, you know, being put on a medication might be a good idea for you, then you would refer them to see a psychiatrist, Correct. for example. 
Okay. Yep. Or if we're working with a kiddo who is just having things that we just can't quite figure out, right? If we can't really work with the school, because t- sometimes a lot of schools will do some of the testing, you know, especially if they're going for IEPs or et cetera. Sure. Uh, you know, because sometimes a diagnosis can be really important um, to kind of figure out what's the engine that is driving some of these behaviors. Yeah. Okay, Monica, what can people expect when they come in to see you or one of your therapists? I mean, you mentioned it before, what we see in the movies and on TV, right? Somebody laying down on a couch and asking you about your childhood. <laughs> I mean, what should what should people really expect? You know, I have to say the only people that have ever actually laid on my couch are teenagers. You know, I, <laughs> I don't know. They lay everywhere. <laughs> so after you book your first your session, um, you kind of come in and we go over necessary paperwork. And this is just like, you know, you're protected by HIPAA, you have rights, et cetera. And then we start kind of just delving into your story. We go back into kind of take a history of your childhood, et cetera. We set goals. And for me, I always leave about five or 10 minutes at the end of our session to say, hey, what questions do you have for me about me as a therapist, about how I do therapy, the practice here? And I will tell you that nine out of 10 times, especially with my female clients, want to ask me questions about me as a person. So they'll ask me, are you married? Have you ever experienced this? And I don't mind, you know, sharing some details because I do think it's important for people to know that just because we're therapists doesn't mean we have it all together. And it doesn't mean that we've also been to our own therapy or that we're still going to our own therapy and that we do understand pain and suffering. And this is really important for women, I think, because women have, I think, difficulties, especially talking with one another when we're experiencing a sense of shame, right? So if you have a family member or a friend who is going through a divorce, research tells us that women are less likely to share with their other female friends and family that they're going through something in fear that that other woman is going to judge them. Mm, I can believe that. Yeah. So if my friend were to come to me and say, Monica, you know, I've just decided that, you know, my marriage isn't working. I think I'm going to get a divorce. Honestly, the first thought that's going to go through my head is, oh my gosh, if that can happen to her, it can happen to me. And that's a painful feeling, right? Yeah. Definitely. And so, you know, I encourage women, especially therapy is a place where you can come talk. It is HIPAA protected. I can't tell anybody. I'm not going to call your family or your best friends and tell you every, tell them everything you've said, you know, come and tell your story, get it out because it's very therapeutic to just talk and process. Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But after that first session, right, this is where you, you know, clients get to decide you're not the therapist for me. I'm going to try this. And we just kind of keep in communication throughout your treatment of how are you feeling? Do you feel like this is helping? Do we need to change it up? Um, yeah. So what kind of advice can you give to somebody who they themselves feel like they're in a good place, but they have a loved one who they notice is struggling and the person seems resistant to come into therapy? How would you recommend they go about kind of broaching the topic and getting them to maybe see somebody. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to that idea of, you know, humans crave connection. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference between empathy and sympathy, right? So sympathy is, I feel so sorry for you. And empathy is, I totally get where you're coming from. That must be really painful. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And sometimes what what we need as individuals is for somebody to say to us, I totally get where you're coming from. I've been through it myself. And you know what helped me was this, right? 
Because when somebody just says, oh, what was you? I feel so bad for you. It doesn't really make me feel inspired to go change. It just makes me feel like you're judging me. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. But we are, that connection can sometimes help people feel a sense of hope. You know, if, if this has helped you, maybe this will help me too. Definitely. Yeah. So Monica, if someone is interested in making an appointment with you, how would they go about doing that? So they can always feel free to give me or any of the other therapists a phone call. Um, you know, we do try to at least give, you know, a five minute window to try to talk about what you're looking for. Am I going to be the best fit for you? Email is always a great way. And then I'll make sure that I kind of attach somewhere in the comments or in the description here, um, a booking link online. So a lot of times people, because therapy is a very private thing, want to have the chance to be able to look at the therapist, read their bios, look at their picture, get a feel for it. And so we have an electronic medical record system. It's all HIPAA secured where you can actually book appointments, either your initial or any subsequent appointments all online. That way you're never waiting for me or a receptionist to give you a call back or email you um, because that can take some time going back and forth. Again, kind of gives clients a sense of power that I can book and control my appointments when needed. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Monica, thank you so much Definitely. for thank you being for with us it. today. This is wonderful. Thank you for thank sharing you. your knowledge and your expertise on mental health counseling and what's really kind of all involved with that. Um, I'd like to also give a special shout out or thank you to our wonderful listeners in the U.S. Oh, and also our listeners in other countries. We have some listeners in Ireland, Germany, and India out there. So thank you for being out there with us. Have a great day, everyone. And as we always say, be the ruler of your own heart. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on the Queen of Hearts podcast. Our podcast is recorded here at the Karen Yance Women's Cardiac Awareness Center inside Aurora St. Luke's Medical Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more heart-healthy tips, info, recipes, and more, visit our website at www.karenyantcenter.org, like us on Facebook at Karen Yance Center, and follow us on Pinterest. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our show and be sure to tell your friends. Until next time, ladies, be ruler of your own heart.